Welcome to season three of the Myelin and Melanin podcast. I'm Dawn. And I'm Dana. We're just two black women sharing our musings on life, MS, and everything in between. You can always find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're a fan of the podcast, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron through our Patreon. Patrons can gain exclusive access to bonus content, giveaways, chances to join us on the Myelin and Melanin party line, and more. We'd like to thank our music producer, Shah Sevier, for providing our podcast music over the years. You can find him on Instagram at shah.sevier, and you can also find him on YouTube. Welcome, everyone, to episode 57. Uh, Before we get started, we would really like to thank our newest patrons via our Patreon. Their support each month is such a tremendous help, and it means so much to us. So thank you. Yes, thank you. So today, we are really honored and excited to be talking with Frederick Joseph. Yes, Frederick is a dynamic individual, and you are really going to enjoy this conversation. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, Frederick. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And it's my pleasure. Thank you. So would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself um, and maybe about your MS journey, like when we were diagnosed and all that fun stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I am a author um, and a marketer. I have a background primarily in marketing, and I've been lucky enough to um, win awards for that, um, such as Forbes Under 30, um, Route 100, Most Influential African Americans, things like that, but I'm really stepping into writing these days. And um, in in terms of my MS journey, I actually found out that I um, have MS when um, I, I found out rather when I was 23. Um, and it was kind of crazy how I found out because I was actually in the middle of playing, um, intramural football during that period of time. And I started realizing, um, that there was something wrong with me because Mm. I couldn't, I couldn't run at times. I had no control Mm. over parts of my body. It was, you know, kind of like pins and needles and things like that. And, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know what was up. Um, and then that kind of would sometimes dissipate, but then I would get like, you know, foggy and tired. And, you know, I didn't know what was wrong with me. And um, a lot of people around me were like, oh, you probably have mono or, you know, people people kind of diagnosing me. Um, You know, eventually um, I went in for testing and things like that and uh, found out um, that I had uh, lesions on the brain and, uh, you know, you know, I was told, you know, we think you have MS and did some more testing and it's kind of history from that. Wow. Are you currently on a disease modifying therapy? So I actually started out on um, Ticibri, um mm-hmm. and I didn't like the way that it made me feel. Uh, okay. So, so currently, and I was on that for about three years. Um, okay. Currently I'm on nothing. Um what I've been doing is kind of like more holistic. Um, I exercise a lot. Uh, you know, I changed my diet. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I tried medicinal marijuana at one point. Um, marijuana doesn't necessarily agree with me in other ways. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, right now um, I'm just really trying to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think I'm lucky also in that um, I think it's a mixture of age and then the fact that I was a, I was an athlete prior. Um, right. You know, disease has been a bit more manageable for me physically. Um, you know, my 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 primary symptoms are fatigue and um, kind of fo- like cognitive um, issues right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And what what year were you diagnosed? I I missed that. Um, if you said it, I forgot. Oh, when I was about twenty three. Oh, but like, Thanks. oh, okay. Like if, how, so how many years ago? That's why I was trying to figure out like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> eight years ago. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, side note, wait, this, before we even dive into some more topics here, we, we had a podcast maybe, I don't know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about knowing like whether or not you want to know where the lesions are on your brain. Are you the type of patient that that needs to know or wants to know from your doctor, like looking at your MRI, do you need to know, Hey, it's placed on this part of the brain or in your spinal cord? Like, do you want to know? I personally don't. Um, but the reason for that is, uh, you know, when we were having a preliminary conversation, uh, last week, we kind of talked about the fact that people have this kind of idea. It's like, Oh, um, I have MS, but MS doesn't have me. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm like, well, you know, I this is this is I, you know this is not going away, um, right? And and I think that the more like I want to be in the know of my body, but I think that if there's certain things that I can't do anything about, um, I don't want to become obsessed with them. So I'm just like, okay, I I just let me know if there's like advancements that I should know about, mm-hmm. but, yes. um, but otherwise I'm just going to keep on keeping on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hear you. This is Dana. I completely agree with you. That's kind of my thinking too. And yes, I have MS and MS does have me. My MRIs show that. So anyway, yeah, yeah. I hate that. I have MS, but MS doesn't have me. Cause yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, with all of that said, Frederick, what made you decide to become vocal about your MS? Because you do a ton of things. You're, yeah. What made you come out about MS? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for me, um, you know, people in my immediate circles have generally always known I have MS. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for a long time when I was dating and things like that, I wouldn't tell women um, until mm. later on, but then I felt like that was unfair. Um, but then interesting, interestingly enough, um, kind of like a quick tangent, um, before I answer mm. the question, I was actually, I was actually on a date once and I told a woman that I have MS and she went to the bathroom and never came back. You know, like, wow. Are you serious? Wow. I swear to God. She was just like, Oh, that's a lot. Um, I'm going to be right back. <laughs> like she went to the bathroom and literally never and every day back. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So from that, I kind of started being a little bit more reluctant to tell people. Right. Um. But but I think that in the last few years, you know, I really um built up a pretty large platform um and am known in various spaces. But I, I you know, I was like, well, I'm not 
speaking to the totality of who I am, right? Like I'm doing all this right. work in representation and all this work in being a trying to be a role model for young people and mm-hmm. race and all these other things. And I'm like, but mm-hmm. but all those intersections, I need to be speaking to me having MS, right? Representing that MS can look like me, representing that black right. men have MS, yes. representing that, you know, all these different things. And right. I was like, yeah, I need to absolutely change that. So that's what made me want to be more vocal. Wow. Yes. And, yes. you know, in, in season two, we, and I think you mentioned, we mentioned this before when we, we spoke, but we had a, this is Dawn, by the way, we had a series and it was called Beyond Montel. And we decided to do this series that, that focused <laughs> on black men and MS. And it, kind of segued Mm -hmm. and turned into like changing the narrative because Montel is not the only black man that has MS. You know what I mean? And as far as, as far as we know, Montel really (laughs) only focuses, well, from what he's presented to this society right now, he's only focused on like smoking and how weed basically helps him. So I don't, yeah. I don't know. And, and it's yeah. difficult for people to well, connect, I, I find. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dana. Yeah. No, I was going to say he's just one person who yes. has MS, who is black man. He does not represent. I think, you know, a lot of times Don and I have had MS for a long time. Um, and, you know, back when we were first diagnosed, I'll speak for mm-hmm. you too, Don, because I know this is, this is the case. People will say, oh, do you know that Montel has MS? Like, so? Like, as somebody, you know, we were diagnosed very young, like 23, 24 years old. I don't care about Montel, just, you know, as Black women. But then kind of taking it a step further, like, for him to be, like, the Black man role model of MS, or not role model, poster child of MS, like, that is not an accurate narrative. So yeah, there, yeah, there's just more to like healthy diet and smoking, I think, when it comes to MS and being a black man. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, I, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, you know, because being a black man, being a black woman, being a black person mm-hmm. um, is so nuanced because of um, the other societal issues that we go through, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I said to someone recently um, when speaking about kind of presidential policies, I said, well, um, I'm a, I've, I've recently endorsed Elizabeth Warren and, and the reason I'm supporting Elizabeth Warren um, is because I'm a progressive and um, I chose mm-hmm. her over Bernie because I felt like she has a better mm-hmm. racial analysis, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, and this, and this is kind of like my view on MS, um, mm-hmm. you know, p- you can have policies um, – in America that are, you know, Medicare for all or um, cancel student debt, so on and so forth. But it will always exist as two different things when it comes to black and white people, right? Um, Even if you claim that we live in the same country, if you claim we have the same disease, if you claim this and that third, it will always look different for us. Um, You know, so even when I look at the MS Society events and things like that, I don't really see people like me reflected, right? Yeah. Um, you know, when I when I see people who the MS Society platforms, 
I don't see myself. You know, I, I you know, I've had this conversation recently. I think of there's there's various people who work with the MS Society, and as somebody who's you know highly platformed, I've never been asked to do anything with them, though I've been very vocal about it. You know, mm-hmm. um, but that's just kind of the existence of black people and black right. men and women, right? <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So yes, it it is very very nuanced, and I think that um, while Montel is a spect- on the spectrum of it. He is not the spectrum. Exactly. That's right. I'm over here shaking my head like a grandmother in church. Like, yes, <laughs> because <laughs> because so much of what you just talked about and touched on is what Dana and I have discussed before. Like, we are young, gifted, and black. You know, put that in quotes. But we are, and mm-hmm. we have a platform, even though it's not some major platform. But she and I have one. You have one for sure, and. I feel that we make significant contributions in this society or in this MS uh, society, in, in the community. And we are overlooked. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I think that we are acknowledged like, okay, they're there, but it's like just brushed over. Like, okay, we see you and that's it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, yeah. And I think that you find that, go ahead. feel like, the voices that we have are so important and the issues that we have are yet they're, they're similar, but they're so different. Like you said, like it, we just don't share the same, uh, I don't know what the, what the word is, but we have the same illness. Yes. However, the, the disparities within healthcare make us completely different. I think. Um, mm-hmm. like economics, um, mental health challenges and issues that, that come about just by being black. I mean, and all the other societal pressures that we have in addition to dealing with an autoimmune illness, like there's so many components to this. And I feel like mm-hmm. we are not utilized enough, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's and and you know, speaking specifically about Black women for a second, I think even the healthcare, um, you know, in the healthcare industry and healthcare providers, um, part of the reason why there's such a high um, mortality rate of Black women, um, especially um, during uh, pregnancy and 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 giving birth, is because there's this view of Black women like, oh, you're strong, you know, you you got this, yes. right? Like, um, and it's the same thing with MS or any other um, ailment that people have. Black people are not viewed in the same way and therefore we're not platformed um, as we should be necessarily um, to speak to the lived experience that is not the same as our white counterparts yes. oftentimes. Yes. It's, this is so definitely. Real. I'm sorry. You know, we, we, yeah. No, we had, um, I had a conversation in, um, a couple weeks ago in our season three premiere with Dr. Mitzi Williams, who is a black neurologist. And mm. um, she does research on uh, black people in MS. And mm. uh, one of her, the main things that she speaks and researches about is the fact that black women are being d- diagnosed at a measurably mm-hmm. higher rate than white people. Um, mm-hmm. and that being said, that's a fact, like that just is. So the fact that there isn't more representation, um, 
as it relates to MS and Black people and Black men. Uh, it's alarming. Mm-hmm. It's a problem. Absolutely. I, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, we have the issue in literally every single thing um, that exists within our society, whether it's um, medicine, whether it's finance, what you know, you, you, being, um, you know, I live in a, I live in a high rise uh, building um, here in New York City. And um, the way I'm treated is as if I don't belong here, right? Like living, mm-hmm. like having like something decent for yourself will never even be the same being black, right? Like when I go to the gym, people ask me for tips all the time. I'm like, I'm not one of the trainers. Wow. I live here. Right, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, that's just what it is. It's interesting that you said, Definitely. I have two things that I, I wanted to say, but it's interesting. You just said you feel like you don't belong there. I can relate to that phrase that you just said. Um, because I remember, and it has nothing to do with, okay, so, all right, here, here's where MS like screws up with your mind. <laughs> but okay, I felt like I didn't belong in the community just because mm-hmm. I'm a young black woman. And I remember when I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed in 2000. I remember like wandering and just like going into uh, one of those support group meetings and I was sitting there and we've discussed this so many times on the podcast and just with other people. Um, you don't, when you're first diagnosed, you really just don't want to be at support group meetings because it, you, it, it's difficult to relate because, you know, everybody's MS is so different and, you know, you, you probably feel like, oh, what am I doing here? This is not going to be me. You know, we have this different kind of attitude about MS. But I remember just feeling like, there's no representation. There's no one who is looking like myself or thinking about the things that I'm thinking long term. Like, how is this going to look if I ever have to go on disability? I'm a single woman. How is it going to be if, you know, financially for me? Like, what is going to happen? I don't, who's going to give me my shots? Like, it's just me. So, it it almost makes you feel like completely isolated um having this chronic illness and you know being being black and i don't know maybe that's dramatic but yeah yeah, yeah. no i don't think it's dramatic at yeah. all um I, like i don't think it's dramatic in the slightest you know even as uh, i mean i mean literally it, it it's it seeps into every single part of the lived experience um you know as a as a person who's a marketer Part of the reason I went into leaning into my writing was because even with all of my accolades, with an MBA from NYU and all these different things, mm-hmm. I wasn't getting looked at for the jobs that I thought that I should be, right? Um, with all right. you know, all the experience, so on and so forth. So I leaned into writing, and while I love my editor, love my agent, I couldn't find a black editor, nor could I find a black agent, right? Um, you know, so my experience is um, in every facet of my life, blackness, but there has to be dips of whiteness in every single thing that I do. And that's inclusive, inclusive of a mess. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So let me ask this question. Why does it matter for, I guess, for our listeners, if people white, or other ethnicities, like they're probably sitting there thinking, why does it, why does representation matter? 
Well, in my opinion, representation matters because it feeds the imagination, right? Mm -hmm. um, whether you're talking about the representation of a black man with MS who is still um, going to the gym and still able to work at a high level in his career, or you're talking mm -hmm. about the representation of um, you know black people um, who are doctors and attorneys and teachers, mm -hmm. right? It feeds the imagination of what is possible, what you can do, who you can be, what you can what you can fight back against, right? Like if I saw at 23, 24, um, a black man with MS, I'd say, you know what? I can beat this. I can I can beat this every single day because I'm gonna have to get up every day and fight it, right? I can't win, but I can beat it on a daily basis. Today could be today could be a day that I won today, right? But right. I didn't see that. Right. I didn't see that at all. I saw white people doing well with MS, right? Um, but right. they were all completely different from me. They had tons of resources, um, came mm -hmm. from families with money, so on and so forth. So I'm like, yeah, this is possible for them, but this is not possible for me. And instead of feeling like I could do it, I fell into a deep depression. I started drinking. I became unhealthy, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that might have been different in my first two years having a mess had I had someone feeding my imagination of the possibility of my health. Wow. Yes. That is yes. Well, that's that powerful. Feeding the imagination. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because... I remember there was another time I was going to a support group meeting and they were like, Oh, you should go to um, the, the, the horse stables or something. And, and I was just like, for what? And they were like, Oh, there's therapy. There's equestrian therapy. And I was just like, Oh, okay. And I'm like, well, I wonder how much that is. And then I read a an article like mm -hmm. shortly after that or something. And it talked about someone prominent, I won't mention her name at the moment, I'll tell you guys off of the offline, but we've talked about it before. But she was like, Oh, I manage my MS very well. And I go to equestrian therapy. I'm like, this must be the same thing that someone else was trying to get me to go to. And I'm like, who has the finances? Who has the money to do that? And I'm not saying that, that you know, mm -hmm. people who aren't black have tons of money because there are, you know, of course, poor people in every ethnicity, but, but, um, yeah, like I, that wasn't relatable to me. I'm like, right now I'm having this MS issue and equestrian therapy is not going to work for me. I don't have the resource for, for something right. like that. I just don't. Right. And, and, I, and I don't even think it's a matter of just finances. Um, I think it's a matter of cultural mm -hmm. alignment, right? Like, yes. I'm pretty yeah. sure there are plenty of black people who um, who ride horses, who visit stables, so on and so forth. But just being really frank, that's not um, a part of the uh, typical black experience as far as I know, right? So there are right. things that everyone has that are culturally aligned. Um, you know, so for me, I would have, like, I know Shannon Fry, for instance, has a mess, right? Um, and he is, I don't know if he's playing this year, but he's an, he's an NBA player. Um, someone who's playing basketball and has a mess. I love sports, right? I would love to see a mm -hmm. black man platformed who's playing, not just uh, generally playing basketball, he's yes. playing at a high level, right? He was playing for a championship mm -hmm. with LeBron James. Uh, you know, that means something to me, right? So when I, right. when I get up, I'm like, you know what? I can go to the Y 
and put up a few shots. Right. If Shannon Fry, can, you know, if Shannon Fry can play in the right. championship, I can go to the YMCA. Right, right. You know. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. Um, no, I was going to say, um, so Don and I had a conversation um, the other day about, so Don and I joke, it's really not funny, but all the time about how we were in denial about our MS for many years and not in denial in terms of like, no, I don't have it, but MS, we pushed MS to the side. Like that was not a part of who we are. So it took us a long time to accept the fact that yes, I have MS, it's a part of me and you know, so on and so forth. Um, and again, we were, I've had, I was diagnosed in 2004. So it's been almost 16 years for me and Dawn in 2000, so almost 20 years. Um, and way back, you know, 20 years ago, that was before like social media was a thing like it is now. I mean, the world was very different then. And we were just kind of like in awe about or at or admiring the people who um, after year one, for example, could come out and talk about their MS stories. Um, And I wonder if that's because there is, and this is, you know, we're not necessarily talking about race, but just representation in general of people who have MS, people who have disabilities, um, chronic illnesses that are just kind of out and kind of having mm-hmm. a voice. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder if that makes a difference. I, I definitely think so, right? It's like, I think it makes a difference with everything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for instance, my my younger um, cousin, he's a freshman at Howard, and, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, oh, I wanted to be an attorney, but he's like, now I want to be a poet. And he's like, I think I could mm-hmm. be a poet because my cousin is an author, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's the way that works. You know, the possibilities are completely different mm-hmm. when you see somebody else doing it, you know? So- right. When you see, like, when I've I've been to plenty of MS walks, um, I've been to plenty of um, the MS uh, stair climb and things like that, and I'm like, oh, a lot of these people are in great shape, and they're also mm-hmm. not black, <laughs> um, right? You know, so when I when I have seen people who are like out there getting it and and going, I'm like, okay, well, you you don't look like me, and, you know. I think even a good example. I did this video with WebMD, which I'm not sure if the two of you saw. Yeah, we did. Yes, I did that video with WebMD. And I would think that the MS Society would have wanted that to be something that they, like, shared, but they definitely didn't, you know? Yeah. You know, know, it's a highly produced produced thing of a black man Mm -hmm. and his story and, and, you know, keeping it going and things like that. But... Um, and I think that'd be important for black people to see, Yeah, but, you know, why, <laughs> yeah. Why do you, I guess I can answer it first, uh, or you guys can answer first, but why do you think people particular, particularly those in the MS community, why should they pay attention or even be concerned with what we're saying? You know what I mean? Cause I just, I just feel like there are always naysayers or always people in the background, like, well, why do we have, we all have MS. You know what I mean? It's almost like all lives matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, why should they care? You know? Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What do you guys? 
Well, I think, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I, I can answer it first if, if that works. Mm. I think, I think for me, it's kind of the same answer as like why a Black Lives Matter um, matters. Um, because at the end of the day, we're all better off actually for speaking to and appreciating the nuance of other people's lived experiences, right? Like the more the more focus that you place on, okay, these are black people who have MS, these are uh, Latinos who have MS, so on and so forth, mm -hmm. the more that you get from mm -hmm. those groups also, right? Like right. the same way I'm like, hey, you know, I don't see myself represented here, so I'm not going to use my platform to amplify the work of MS society. For what? Right? Um, mm -hmm. But if I do see myself uh, represented, I'm like, okay, great. So we're in this together. The same, right. you know, like I think that white people oftentimes um, or just people in general who are kind of like, oh, it doesn't matter. We're all the same. Don't realize that <laughs> when you when you don't speak to certain people's lived experiences, a lot of us don't want to be a part of mm -hmm. what you have going on then. Right. Like a lot of us, yeah. you know, sim like detract from from the from the group or the um, cohesion because we have to focus on surviving mm. because we're the only ones caring mm -hmm. about us. For sure. Right. Period. The fact that the MS society <laughs> didn't um, acknowledge the, I don't know. I I'm just bothered by the, just, you know, you sharing the story about the WebMD um, documentary that was done and just not even, to be acknowledged by the yeah. okay. no, I, I'm done. All right, go ahead. No. It, that bothers <laughs> I'm me too, bothered. like tremendously, um, because it's just ugh, I I can't even speak to it because it just bothers me. <laughs> um, I I just find that that's been the issue yeah. over these last twenty years. I can say that I've seen that being having MS. I have not, mm -hmm. like you, Frederick, I've gone to many walks and done things in the community with the MS Society and I'm not trying to like bash them or anything, but I just have never been a, a witness to representation, people who look like, all, you know, us. I, I just, I haven't seen it. Yeah. 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 I mean, a hundred percent, you know, it's like, Realistically, the MS Society, um, being a nonprofit, through mm -hmm. grants and individual donors um, and major donors, they get their funding to continue existing as an organization, right? And you know, as someone who's both worked in um, the marketing world and in the nonprofit sector, I understand um, how the minds of people um, in that sector work, right? They think that the money and the influence is in. Uh, the white community oftentimes. But, you know, as an example, I don't know how no one at the MS Society would do any vetting to say, oh, this guy who has MS, who is known for raising money, right? Mm -hmm. He's not known for raising right. money for MS. He's known for raising money for literally everything else under the sun, right? Breast yeah. cancer, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. I've raised during my career over $20 million, right? And like, let's, let's get that guy as some type of ambassador or something for us because yes. he has this and he, you know, but that's, and he has a huge platform I'm, and following. Right. Yes. 
But I'm pretty sure if I was like just being really honest, I'm pretty sure if I was white, mm-hmm. I that would oh, have happened sure. some time ago. Absolutely. I yes. think and I've spoken to Dana about this. I think that the MS Society is great at what they do. One, that's to the side. That's fine. However, mm-hmm. they have a specific narrative. And if you don't check off all of those boxes in that narrative, then they just kind of, like I said before, overlook you or just go on to yeah. something that's their safety net. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't know if black people are their yep. safety nets. I don't, I don't know. I, I, yeah, black people are not most people's or most organizations right. safety nets. You know, I, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, right. again, yeah. It's, yeah. You know, you, yeah. you said one, one thing about, um, black women and being strong. This is kind of a side note, but there's a song by uh, Amel LaRue. You all are familiar with her, I'm sure. And she has this song mm-hmm. called Weary. Yeah. And it. I was looking at the comments. Like I just go through videos sometimes on YouTube. And so I was like, oh, let me see this. And so in the in one of the, the comments, it said, you know, this is like the song weary is the black woman's battle cry. Sometimes we just want to be women and not so strong. And I think that's like the overarching theme with us because black men and women alike, we are looked at as you have to be strong. You have to continue to take all of the brutal forces that are coming at you. You know what I mean? Like you have to just live in the society and just, just be and, and accept that you're not represented except that yeah. you your voice is not going to be heard. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You guys? Yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that's something you can see even with um you know, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union speaking to their daughter transitioning right. um mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. A, a young woman right zaya mm-hmm. they, you know people forget they're not resources uh for young black uh trans or gay children mm-hmm. like there are for white children right, right. um and, and especially because our community has been conditioned in certain things by white people um you know there's mm-hmm. even less resources within our community you know so it's <laughs> You know, I think that everybody is so weary and that's why we're so close, closed off at times and so um, kind of like gatekeepers with the community because mm-hmm. all we right. have is us oftentimes. Wow. Yep. Well, yes. thank you so much for dropping gems. We have like just, I don't know, I feel full. I think Dana, you do too. <laughs> yeah. This has been a wonderful yes, conversation. Definitely. Well, it's been my absolute pleasure. Um, I look forward to hopefully one day meeting you two and, um, yes. you know, hopefully we can all navigate ways to, to bring more representation to um, yes. those with um, MS who look like me and look like the two of you yes. um, and, and move us forward. And, and I, and you both will be in my, my thoughts and my heart. And as we all continue to, to get up yes. and fight every day. Thank you. Uh, Frederick, where can people find you online? Uh, yeah. So people can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Fred T. Joseph, uh, J-O-S-E-P-H. And 
If anyone wants to learn more about the work I'm up to um, or anything of that nature, you can go to frederickjoseph.org. Thank you. And um, in the future, um, would you consider joining us again for some more conversation about representation and black men and changing the narrative to go oh, beyond Montana? Abs- absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. We appreciate that. We kind of laugh when we say Montel because we always say Montel is just like the <laughs> default, like, oh, black man, MS, Montel. Anyway, so that's. Okay. Anyway. So thank you so much, Frederick. We really appreciate your time and uh, we will talk to you soon. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Myelin and Melanin podcast. You can always find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can always subscribe to us on YouTube. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.